Good morning, everybody, and welcome to This Is Revolution. My name is Jean Bajalan, in for Jason Miles on this wonderful Saturday morning. And I should warn you all, this is a pre-record, so I am speaking to you from the past. Now, today we have a TIR friend of show coming on, Doug Lane, to talk about something that has been on his mind for a while, which is his deep love and fascination for Russell Brand and his political message, his desire to be Russell Brand, to dress like Russell Brand, to grow his hair like Russell Brand, and to do all the things that Russell Brand gets to do. But before we talk to Doug and we bring him on, I would like to remind people to like and subscribe. It helps us in the algorithm. You will keep Jason in food. And as a good supporter of reparations, TIR likes to remind people that no white people are paid in the production of TIR. And with that announcement out the way, let's bring on our guest for the day, the CEO of Sublation Media, the king of critical theory, C. Derek Barnes, heterosexual life partner, Doug Lane. Doug, welcome to TIR. Welcome back to TIR. How are things going with you? Are you feeling good? I'm doing well. And, um, I just want to point out to you that the CEO of Restream mm-hmm. is white, mm-hmm. and I happen to know that you have a professional level uh, Restream account, which we means do. that TIR does indeed pay white people in the production. But not willingly. But not well, willingly. I mean, you could do without Restream. Why, why, do you, why, why, why not find a black-owned version of Restream if you're so... Because they don't. Are not paying any white people uh, as a part of your production cost. Well, maybe I will take that to our next management meeting okay. and we can there find you go. A... Also, I don't want to dress up like Russell Brand and be like Russell Brand. I want to be like you, Gene, what, what? and do all the things that you've done. And I've what? heard plenty. So, but let's get, let's, let's get let's started. Get, let's get down to the, let's get down to the meat of this discussion. So Russell Brand, there was a documentary on dispatches on the BBC, which leveled uh, certain accusations about Russell Brand's uh, conduct, some of which we could say is perhaps unsavory, but not illegal. Others, well, you know, there is a discussion over, um, you know, these allegations being rape, sexual harassment, you know, quite serious allegations. Um, Obviously, you know, people will watch the dispatches, read the press, and they can make their own mind up. And, you know, I assume this will be adjudicated in the course of law uh, down the road. Um, I, for my part, uh, you know, have never really liked Russell Brand that much. I think a lot of people gave him a pass for his behavior on the left. And suddenly when he became seen as the enemy, suddenly that pass was revoked, you know. But um, you have a slightly different perspective on it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't really want to belong to a left that is thinks of itself as, you know, as one of its priorities being to co- be the policing, to be being the policing of people's behavior, personal behavior. Well, so don't like, worry, Doug. No one assumes that you're on the left anymore. So that's uh, well. I don't assume that anyone who calls himself on the left has any conception of the left anymore. So. There we go. The feeling is mutual. Okay, so let's mutual. But I really wouldn't want to be a part of a political movement that priority was to police the personal behavior of people. That I think is reactionary at 
at its foundation and conservative. Um, so that's so I would hope that people don't waste their time uh, watching the dispatch documentary and coming and spending a lot of energy on deciding what they think the character of Russell Brand is. It's, it's really irrelevant. I have no idea whether he's guilty or not, but I I would think I think it's a, a really a waste of time and also speaks to this kind of cop like mentality that has taken hold of the left that we were asked to do that. I mean, what about some of the accusations which have legal implications? I mean, well, obviously, obviously they should be investigated by the police, and apparently they are. So, so you aren't but, dismissing you 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 aren't dismissing allegations out of hand about whether there was illegal Russell Brand engaged in illegal conduct. Uh, no, but I don't have any way to influence the police investigation nor would I want to be responsible for uh, evaluating that evidence. I'm not in the UK, mm -hmm. um, but but what I am concerned about is the way in which brands and other people's rights have been trod upon in the, in the last few weeks. Because okay, I, that, that actually has an impact on the left. Okay, so let's let, let, let's uh, let, let's go through that issue. So what what is the what is the fundamental issue? with Russell Brand. I know there's been, you know, he's been demonetized uh, and um, obviously there's a lot of criticism about him. And specifically, you've raised the point that um, the British Parliament has, uh, you know, requested that social media companies uh, disband him. And I actually have a letter here that you, you gave to me. This is, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to put this up on the screen. You know, this is from the Culture, Media and Sports Committee of the British Parliament, and it basically says, you know, it's writing concerning serious allegations regarding Russell Brand in the context of him being a content provider on Rumble with more than 1.4 million followers. And basically there is, you know, it, it raises the issue uh, regarding the Dispatches uh, documentary and uh, accusations in the Sunday Times, and you know they're asking about they're concerned about whether you know he'll be able to make profit off his content on the platform, and they're asking you know uh, questions about that and looking into demonetizing him. Would that be a fair? Yeah, I would just say that, that I'm not raising this. This has you know been widely reported. Um, but the uh, letter to Rumble was was released by Rumble. Mm -hmm. um, and no one has contested its veracity. Um, and it's been reported in like the New York Times and uh, I guess USA. It's, it's been reported in many major newspapers and mainstream news outlets. So it's not hidden away. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's well established. So, so yeah, so um, the, the problem with this letter, and, and it, it was not just sent to Rumble, but it was sent to Twitter and to the GB News, which is a cable news channel mm -hmm. that I don't watch, I don't know anything about, but apparently a right-wing British uh, news cable news channel. Mm -hmm. um, they all received these letters uh, from the same aristocrat in the House of Commons. Uh, this, uh, what's her name again? Dame Caroline. Dame Caroline Deninge. Deninge. Yeah, and she also. Uh, was 
one of the people who spearheaded the new online safety bill in the UK. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, at the same time that, or right after the online safety bill uh, was passed, one of her first acts was to email uh, these social media companies and mainstream media companies to request that Russell Brand be disallowed um, on various levels. I mean, de- demonetization is one way to kind of shadow ban someone because if you're demonetized, your videos don't travel as far. And then, of course, she was, she asked that um, he not be allowed to come on to defend himself and that any talk of him not be in defense of him on GB News. That's a rough characterization of what she said to GB News. And uh, this is extrajudicial punishment if it were to happen. I mean, it was pressure to um, to enact a, a form of punishment, a kind of punishment that in the United States wouldn't be allowed against a, a convict. Um, you know, uh, if you're in prison, you have the First Amendment rights still. That isn't taken away from you uh, if you're found guilty of a crime, uh, even a felony. Um, so you, if you wrote a book, you'd be allowed to pump, publish it. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I guess the state steps in and says, oh, this is uh, a spy or someone he's releasing classified information or something like that. But if, uh, otherwise, if you're writing a, a book or, or uh, uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal was allowed to produce a radio program from death row. So in this case, on mere allegations, uh, Russell Brand, they're asking for the deplatforming of Russell Brand and meting out punishment that wouldn't be allowed under the U.S. Constitution, uh, even for a convicted murderer. And what's striking here is it it says in the final uh, sentence, you know, uh, we would like to. We would also like to know what Rumble is doing to ensure that creators are not able to use their platform to undermine the welfare of victims of inappropriate and potentially illegal behavior. Now, obviously, potentially illegal behavior is something that com- companies, you know, would have to look at, right? But, you know, inappropriate is that a legal category in in this sense? You know, what does it mean to be inappropriate? So that's yeah. a little bit concerning. For, for example, I can I can understand the impulse, you know, like if somebody is accused of very serious uh, crimes and, you know, uh, Brand has been accused of uh, crimes, but he has may, um, at least may, in one case, there's w- at least one accusation of rape that uh, was hurled at him. And I think that there was one of indecent exposure, indecent exposure and, and rape. Now, those are per- serious uh, yeah, you know, the, the indecent exposure allegation is no longer prosecutable because it was so long ago that it, it's reached the limit of a statute of limit the statute of limitations. But um, but inappropriate, inappropriate is a very vague piece. Of oh yeah, language. Yeah, and and also of course, YouTube has a variety of content producers on the channel. Who have been convicted of crimes, um, and in general, who are you thinking of in this case? Well, um, you know, okay, that's a good. good, good I've, I've, uh, the one that comes to mind is not convicted. Was it'd be Bill Clinton was on the channel. Uh, he was, uh, you know, faced accusations of rape himself. Um, but I, I've heard that there are people who've been. The names aren't are escaping me, but like 
accused of defrauding their uh, customer base or selling faulty products or uh, violating various regulations and laws and the way that they promote products that's what the thing or and also there are plenty of people on the channel on on youtube who have you know talk about being drug addicted and and having arrest records and things like that around drug use mm -hmm. so but i don't have a list of names right here in front of me and i wouldn't want to read them off even if i did really but um uh what youtube is empowered to do is moderate its content based on the content itself but not on the based on the rumors about the personal behavior of of the of the content creators um, well this i mean i i definitely see the point it creates a uh, a kind of dangerous precedent on, on this with governments being able to intervene to deplatform people and even if you think that russell brand deserves in the end to be deplatformed and if you think the allegations are legitimate if you think he did illegal stuff you know people can make their mind up on that but there will there will be a judicial process which will adjudicate that and right and and taking action about someone who's not being convicted is a little worrying because you know you know, maybe, you know, these accusations could all be true, but in another case, it might be, you know, you know, I've, uh, one of my friends once joked, it's like, you, if you, uh, if you want to basically destroy something these days, just go in, make some accusations. And, you know, even if they turn out to be nonsense in the end, you know, the, the, the kind of stain is already there. In Brand's case, you know, he has a track record of this kind of, let's say, maybe not illegal, but people very much knew about his kind of misogynistic behavior. But he got a free pass for years uh, about this, right? Uh, you know, I was talking to you off air about like people, you know, he was in trouble over his radio show for I, I, crank calling someone and I think talking about sleeping with their daughter or, or granddaughter or something like that. You know, kind of like gross kind of misogynistic behavior. Uh, but, you know, people forgave it. And uh, because at that point, you know, Russell Brand was the hero of, as my brother used to say to me when he was studying at university, he's like, if I have to hear another English major go on to me about how Russell Brand is the bard of our time, right, I'm going to shoot myself in the head, right? But, you know, people, you know, he was he was lauded by the British left. He told people to vote Labour in 2010. You know, he interviewed uh at at Miliband when he was leader of the labor party uh you know he got he wrote the forward to owen um jones's book so you know it's not like people you know didn't know that he was like a cad and a and a kind of like had this rock star lifestyle before mm -hmm. uh and you know people know what goes on you know I, I, people know what goes on but people deliberately kind of like gave him a pass on it, but now obviously Russell Brand's place on the political spectrum has changed. And who who did he call? Who who's do you do you remember who it was? I can look it up. Now. It was the it was the granddaughter of a beloved British actor, I want to say, but I forget who it was. Uh, crank call. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, forget who it is. Uh, oh my God! I got this one. 
uh, Russell Brand prank call to rape helpline in 2008. Nice. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking about, but you know, like. So it was Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand together. Yes, and Jonathan Ross. Andrew Sachs. Andrew Sachs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. it was some. It was it, that was that. But you know, this kind of behavior was going on for a while, and and you know, people people seem to like. Is there a reason why someone would want to take the piss out of Andrew Sachs? Not really. Like he seems like a pretty nice guy, but you know, I don't know any of these people in real life, so I'm not going to make any comments. But you know, the point I'm making is like, you know, obviously, we have a new level of accusation now, but people, you know. You could have very easily made the case that Russell Brand has a history of like misogynistic behavior and things like that, uh, which was publicly known. Uh, but, you know, I just don't think a lot of people, you know, uh, people were willing to overlook it because Russell Brand was doing the work. You know, something about that. I mean, like, OK, I don't endorse him calling up Andrew Sachs and crassly telling him about how he had sex with his granddaughter or uh, or daughter, whichever it was. Um, uh, but this whole notion that people need to be given a pass. Um, well, the for reason their personal I, life, the reason or I, otherwise they'll be canceled is the is the background there. I mean, the, like, the reason I'm bringing it up, Doug, is is just like uh, is like even according to this this kind of principle, it's inconsistently applied, right? Right. Okay. This mor this moralism is inconsistently applied. People, you know, you'll you'll have people on you know mainstream U.S. Uh, media talking about like how Russell Brand is terrible, but Bill Clinton, as we talked about off air, Bill Clinton had serious sexual allegations about him, uh, like, uh, and you very rarely hear the same commentators who will be outraged by Russell Brand taking the same approach to someone like bill clinton i guess what the whole thing sort of reeks of a certain kind of uh cultural politics where the aim is to try to create certain kinds of attitudes and weed the weed out the wheat from the chaff um oh. and to keep a lot of hygiene uh, going around who you associate with it's based on maybe an underlining assumption of guilt by association so like if you have someone like i don't know let's say jerry seinfeld mm -hmm. um who dated a younger woman when he was in his 40s i guess um mm -hmm. uh that that would be enough to discredit uh either his comedy or uh some political cause he might get uh, involved with um it'd be a, just a way to to smear him and try to hurt his reputation. It's like this sort of, we're holding on to this weapon of reputation assassination, mm -hmm. um, which I think is most of the time, you know, there may be, there are times in like real, uh, in a real battle, like in a war, like like a class war even, like, you know, you're, uh, this came up um, in today's Catron zone. Like if you, if you had a Pinkerton, guard who was arrested for murdering a worker at a, on a strike line and then was acquitted you know the the fact that he was a, a killer of, of workers might be something that would haunt him socially especially amongst the working class from that point on i can understand that 
Um, I'm not sure how effective or if that's really the best weapon in our arsenal. And it seems like it can backfire on us. But overall, I just feel like we uh, that the, the political aims of this stuff are completely forgotten. And it's just we get joy out of taking people out uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's some definitely something to that, you know, like I think people blur the line with between you know what is perhaps like being a kind of a, a dick in your personal relations but nothing illegal and then illegal conduct right like right yeah and and like you know if you if you are treated badly by someone you don't have to remain friends with them you don't uh you know if you're working with them unless they violated some rule of the workplace which should get them fired you're gonna have to keep working with them right mm -hmm. that's one of the things about capitalism is kind of good is that it draws people together who don't get along personally or aren't con connected in by, by family or culture but and brings them together to work together um so that's a that's a the upside of capitalist alienation in a way um but yeah i mean overall i think there's an an emphasis on judging one another as individuals over trying to find points of solidarity for collective action uh but don't you think for example i mean having some kind of standard of behavior at least within let's say left-wing movements at least matters right you don't want to have somebody who is kind of you know harassing people or like behaving inappropriately in alienating people you know having let's say like treating women in a very misogynistic way it's not illegal but it seems like a kind of conduct which like undermine would undermine solidarity if you're in a like a movement with russell brand as a woman you know like even if you're like yeah okay maybe he didn't rape people but he was like a real jerk to women uh you know and if he has um, okay i think that there should be a a, a culture of mutual respect mm-hmm you know that is in within left movements um then unions and if we ever had a socialist party something like that but mm -hmm. but uh wanting to make sure people weren't jerks i think that's way over the line <laughs> like you can't you can't you know everyone uh that i know is a jerk at least twice a day in various ways um Maybe yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want you. so you wouldn't want somebody who's like at every meeting is like busting out the n-word and when you say like maybe don't do that because like that's probably you know not is like offensive like yeah you can say it and it's sure. like but sure. that's like inappropriate or someone who's like always going like nice 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 tits love i'd love to have a little squeeze on i'm only joking Mm -hmm. I, that kind of behavior like it's not illegal but it it i think well, no, it, but i mean it, look, it is undermine it undermines solidarity because there are people who are going to be alienated by it because they're like wow you know like no one's gonna you know people persons being like i think there's a difference between like someone being abrupt and a jerk and someone being i guess like uh, offensive in a way that like just is counterproductive to your political goals like i i i understand people should be tolerant and people but you know there are kinds of behaviors which maybe you don't want to have in in a left i think like overall some people shouldn't be disruptive and they shouldn't be disrespectful mm -hmm. and that doesn't just go in one direction right mm -hmm. it's like so if you go in and every other line let's say 
you say something insulting about a religious faith all mm-hmm. the time. Like you mm-hmm. constantly on about that. And some of the members in the union are religious. That would be disruptive and mm-hmm. disrespectful. So, you know, don't do that. But that doesn't that shouldn't be a reason for someone to be ejected from the union or or but you know like this is i think we way overemphasize uh this you know but are just common problems in social interactions and you know you can pick out a few examples that are particularly egregious egregious and and you know designed to be so but i i've never been in any left meeting ever where people were throwing out the n-word and i've i've not ever seen someone say nice tits love except for benny hill um so uh now admittedly i'm in the u.s so we wouldn't say love like that at the end right Right. but um i just think it's a non-problem and it's overemphasized and the point of it is to direct people at each other to be policing each other rather than uh you know figuring out how the common cause that they might have to be hyper concerned about etiquette and and personal behavior uh, as above like common cause okay okay but you would even you would still concede that there are certain types of behavior that were let's say not illegal but are disruptive and m- might warrant someone sure. being excluded from a group right Right. I would I would uh, can I would uh, agree that if someone is being disruptive, something has to be done about it because it's almost sabotage at that point. Right. If you're mm-hmm. like, coming into a meeting and derailing it, then, yeah, you it, that's that's right. Uh, so we do have to police ourselves to some degree. But, but yeah, well, I mean, like you, you in a meeting in a left organization, there are usually like rules of order. You mm-hmm. raise your hand. There's all sorts of ways in which people are allowed to speak and not allowed to speak in a meeting. It's not like, yeah, well, that's one way. But I mean, you know, um, yeah. But but to so but to return to brand, your issue is more about the way that the state is intervening. I mean, obviously, the reason why I'm so committed right now to like trying. Why to do you want to die on the Russell Brand Hill? Tell well, uh, <laughs> I, it's not just Russell Brand at all. The reason why I'm so uh, trying to find a really hard line, and I'm not always able to, about n- not buying in on the politics of character assassination is because it's clearly being done now by the state um, to take out political opponents. Um, and it's being done in an extrajudicial way, in a way that even in a backwards provincial little country like the UK is still uh, a violation of the rights that you sort of have there. Don't, so, we don't have any rights in Britain. Come on. We have parliamentary sovereignty. Par- Parliament can do anything it wants. <laughs> right. So, OK, I was being nice. Um, uh, but uh, in the United States, it would be a violation of, of, our, of the First Amendment and you know, due process and so forth. Um, so the fact that it is trotting upon the freedoms and liberties of, of the people of pub, of the public of c- civil society of the workers mm-hmm. is the, the primary reason why I'm, uh, up in arms about it, because it seems to me to be coming along with, uh, you know, a 
system of overall control at a time when there's a lot of pressure on the on society to change mm -hmm. so this is a, a way to subdue oppositional politics of dissent um and this is just one weapon in in, in its arsenal i don't think russell brand is particularly an important figure in terms of some grand fight against uh, the neoliberal establishment, say, but he was deemed significant enough for this shit to go on. I guess it's because he's a celebrity, so it has a knockdown effect. I mean, one of the things they did when they were censoring people online was they would look for the influencers mm -hmm. and take them out in order to stop the spread of misinformation at the source so a big influencer would be suppressed and then that would have an effect on millions of other accounts by their own accounting so your issue is it's it's not so much about the the russell brand case per se like for example let's say russell brand goes to court he is convicted of uh rape and uh sexual harassment indecent exposure all of these things let's say that you know he's convicted of this um if social media platforms don't want to pl platform him then well i mean at this I mean, point the social media platforms are in the united states been shown to be entwined with the state so you know any without some real reckoning uh dividing up the social media dividing the social media platforms separating them off from the from the security apparatus any attempt to censor anyone by these companies is pretty much a violation of, of the first amendment um and like i said at the outset even if he was convicted his right to speech in the u.s would still be protected so you know you you might not want to read him or listen to him anymore and that's your right not to um I would say that the character of a person doesn't determine the truth value of what they say. So it, you should be allowed and well, your favorite, allow yourself to. Your favorite Marxist intellectual, Altuza, murdered his wife. I'm not a big fan of him, but I would say that you should read him despite the fact that uh, Althusser killed his wife. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of, I mean, Karl Marx. Uh, not a great guy. His, yeah, not a great guy. his servant. Um, you know, have you ever inherited a, a, I don't have any any servants in my life um oh, you know God. despite my efforts on tinder to find some uh that is not how it's worked out for me see, Fair enough. see well, this is why I side with Russell Brand because I can be shitty like that but um but seriously no I uh have you have you ever slept with any of your servants Sheen have I slept with any of my servants no because i don't have servants oh yeah but you had to think about that i had to that. think about it yeah <laughs> but um but so so it's 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 more about uh the cat it's less about the case and it's more about how the state is intervening and how the russell brand case highlights the problematic nature of the, of the state intervening into people's free yeah i mean to call it problematic is to really soft pedal it i think you know like it like Oh, it's problematic like you know well you maybe know, have... maybe russell brand calling up that guy and talking about this daughter was problematic you know this is a violation this is an attack on everyone's rights it's not just a pro it's not just problematic uh, in the way it's conventionally that term is conventionally used 
so yeah, so it's an attack on, on, on people's rights of free expression and and political organizing and I, rights to be protected from state violence or imprisonment. Well, this has always been the, this has always been the problem with the whole deplatforming de discourse. Uh, you know, people will. I seem to remember, like for example, people were like, "Oh, we should deplatform Milo Yiannopoulos," mm -hmm. and you know, he was deplatformed here and there, but like, and then he was cancelled. But like, he was not cancelled because of the deplatforming. He was cancelled because the right turned on him because he said some stuff about like. His own uh, sexual history. His own sexual a, history as a, youth. As, a, as a youth and the kind of uh, man-boy love association uh, thing. He was canceled by the right. You know, they, they, mm. he was canceled by his uh, his uh, own side. Now, I'm always concerned about deplatforming. It's like I don't really, you know, I don't really care about like right-wingers coming. I think it speaks to a, 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 a kind of paternalism that people think that deplatforming is a way to protect people. Whereas, you know, if you have someone you don't like speaking, protest outside, you know, protest outside of their talk, organize a counter talk, you know, you know, do those kind of things. Uh, rather or than, ignore them. I mean, often or, or ignore or often ignoring them is what they do. <laughs> I mean, like so many of these right wing figures, like it's like you do realize their entire game plan is just to trigger people into protesting them and then, you know, presenting, you know, often ignoring these people is right. the best response and and if if it, if not ignoring launching a counter propaganda offensive rather than appealing to the refs to have them you know have authority come down and uh, you know fix the issue for you we should be mm -hmm. organizing against these you know we you have a right wing speaker coming to a campus you don't have to go and like disrupt the talk but you could protest outside or you could organize your own counter talk right mm -hmm. uh, and or you know challenge him to a debate or something like that but you know i do feel very uncomfortable with appealing to authority uh, appealing to state authorities to and right now it's really super obvious as to why we should be because in uh atlanta <clears throat> there were mm -hmm. like 61 mm -hmm. protesters against uh, cop city which is mm -hmm. uh this base to, to do uh, kind of uh, militaristic training of the police outside mm -hmm. of Atlanta, um, who have been arrested uh, for organizing political protests and charged with uh, as being part of a conspiracy to commit acts of terrorism against the state. And the basis for that, con that charge is the political writings and donations and the way in which they've organized politically um, around Cop City. So the organization that was providing legal support and some material support to the protesters who were out there camping in the forest outside of the Cop City, um, they were charged with conspiracy to commit acts of terrorism. Um, not because there's any, it was like a RICO charge. So yeah. not because there's any um, direct evidence of them doing illegal things, but because someone else in the organization who uh one of whom was killed and was a subject of, like his murder escalated the protest against cop city dramatically uh because of that and some molotov cocktails that were thrown and some rocks that were thrown at a few protests now everyone involved in the cop city protest organization is considered to be an, a terrorist and so even like if you're carrying a pamphlet or you write down on a notebook uh all cops are bastard or a cab 
you know, you now can be charged with an act of terrorism against the state. Um, it's a complete violation of their, their civil liberties and their rights to organize and to, to express themselves and to petition the government and so forth. Um, it's a left-wing group. So this is not just aimed at the right by any means. It, anyone who wants to politically organize against the establishment right now is going to be facing very draconian, uh, anti-liberal uh, responses that aren't justified by the laws of the land. Um, uh, so, you know, illegal attacks on dissent is what we're living under right now. And it's happening on a vast scale and it's happening across the, the NATO countries. Um, uh, you know, there are all sorts of, like in the EU, they passed the um, new Digital Services Act, which requires social media companies to root out um, disinformation, uh, often with, with an emphasis on disinformation that casts doubt on the legitimacy of elections as one of the things that they're requiring uh, as we go into 2024. But, but many other uh, political acts of political speech would be considered disinformation by the Digital Services Act. In Sweden, my favorite uh, attempt to combat uh, disinformation is uh, happening under the auspices of the Psychological Defense Agency. These are people who want to control our psychology. Like, again, like what kinds of people so. we are. Although, although I have to point out that in this letter that you shared with me, Russell Brand is not being pulled up for um, misinformation. Is there, are there other, other? Well, I mean, this, this is the Culture, Media, and Sports Committee um, <clears throat> signed by the woman who spearheaded the uh, uh, the online safety bill and the committee is uh, the subcommittee on disinformation acts under the culture media and sports committees uh, authority um, so but you, I mean you, you might infer that they're doing this from you know uh, uh, from the context in which they're <clears throat> issuing this letter about Russell Brand but in the letter itself it's it's purely it's framed in terms of the inappropriate, of, of inappropriate and 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 uh, potentially illegal activity. Right. Yes. Which is slightly so different. Right. It's someone who is of the disinformation effort, the the war on disinformation, using uh, extrajudicial means to punish someone who is characterized as being an agent of disinformation. But they have plausible media. deniability on that front because they're not saying he should be deplatformed. Well, I mean, they don't, the, the violation of his rights, are the, they don't, they're not even really, you know, they are using a different justification to violate. Well, he doesn't have any rights under in Britain. Well, you don't you have some sort of quasi-protection of free speech? I mean, there are quasi-protections, but that's not the same as a constitutional protection. Well, I know. But I mean, okay, so I speak like an American, but but it, his his uh, free speech protection is being violated. And I think going back to the Magna Carta, the idea of due process has worked its way in to British society. Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe we do have due process. I mean, this is this is the issue that, you know, I would take, you know, I would I would focus on, like, even if even if we think, you know, let's say even if we believe just for sake of argument, that certain people, you know, uh, should be deplatformed for certain illegal acts, right? You know, let's just take that a, 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 as a given. 
even if that is your principle of stance mm. without a judicial process how is it worked out right like how do we ascertain the truth of accusations what is to stop anyone uh, including the state you know infiltrating organizations making accusations and then you know scuppering someone with no basis so even in the case of russell brand let's say he's like guilty of everything and he's a sc he's a scumbag and deserves to be like sent off to an island to think about things um well until that's adjudicated in court like i might believe all the accusations but asking you know taking action without a due process just seems like a really a problematic thing. yeah even, uh, if we, uh, even if we think action should be taken if we say like he's a convicted he gets convicted of rape he should be you know not allowed should, to speak anymore. he should be he shouldn't not have allowed, a platform he shouldn't yeah. have a platform or that company you know let's say that's and you know i'm not coming on one side or another of that i'm saying like that has to be adjudicated then in some way and if we don't have due process then it's going to be a free-for-all of accusations right you right. know like with the me too movement you know i think a lot of the me too stuff was very legitimate right but if it, if people are having their careers wrecked without some kind of process to it you know i think it's this it's like it's a seems like a dangerous uh precedent to to uh, uh follow because it allows it will allow the disruption of any type of organization based on uh, an allegation uh, and a flimsy allegation at that right and of course yeah, yeah. so you know like like i said so even if we think that the deplatforming is legitimate at some point well there has to be a process for that right and, and a trial by and I think it's perfectly fine for people to read things and come up with a judgment and say, yeah, I think that guy's a scumbag. But like when it comes to stuff, even if you agree with the demonetizing, there has to be some kind of judgment. And however imperfect the bourgeois judicial system is, right, you know, perhaps that is the, you know, like at least that has to be the standard, you know? I just want to point out that while I completely understand that some people might feel as though um, it it is sometimes necessary to take away people's uh, speech uh, and to to silence them due to the crimes that they've committed or <clears throat> that they shouldn't be allowed to vote ever again after a certain kind of crime was committed or that they shouldn't be offered an opportunity to work mm -hmm. after they've committed a, a certain kind of crime that is not traditionally and in my mind, a left-wing position to take. In general, the people who are most concerned about punishing criminals and victims' rights and cutting people out of society and not giving any, making any path for, for reform and not caring about due process are generally right-wingers. In the 80s, it was Reagan's uh, administration that really championed victims' rights as, as a way to roll back the protections that defendants had achieved through the Supreme Court uh, before that time. Um, and it was largely racialized at that time too. So it was mm -hmm. like, we've got to stop these black criminals who have way too many rights now, um, was how it was put forward. I oppose that of course then, and I oppose the, the whole viewpoint that the, that the, the most important thing is for there to be a strong enough police state to protect people from one another like the aim of the left is to create conditions 
for people to work together and to create a better society and be politically emancipated rather than to create uh, an entirely safe society uh, under the kinds of conditions that we have now. You know, that, so if you're embracing this sort of politics of uh, policing, punishment, uh, restrictions of rights, ostracization uh, as a, an, an additional punishment on top of crimes, um, you know, when someone's convicted of crimes, they also are just cut out of social life forever. Uh, all of that, that's a very kind of authoritarian right wing worldview. Now, people can have that worldview. I just pr would prefer them not to call themselves leftists when they have that worldview. But let's say we're returning to the, you know, returning to the issue of the state versus civil society, right? Mm -hmm. Do you see a difference between, let's say, the state imposing these things and civil society imposing this kind of ostracization? <clears throat> Like for like, is the issue for you that the state is doing this? Like for example, let's say, let's say it mattered to Russell Brand, uh, but like, you know, people said, look, Russell Brand deserves due process, but we think these are shitty allegations, and we're going to boycott and not, you know, consume his product uh, because you know we think he's a shitty uh, a shitty person and shouldn't be encouraged to to no, to. No, I mean, no. Obviously, I like I said, I wouldn't want to stamp out right-wing perspectives in society mm -hmm. like i don't think that's how you deal with right-wing points of view um in civil society so should people within civil society be allowed to have conservative or right-wing attitudes like some ones we're discussing now where you want to ostracize people forever due to the crimes that they've committed yes they should be but one of the reasons why is because people in civil society don't have um such a hierarchical uh, uh, inequality in terms of the right to violence um, that the state has. So, so you wouldn't want to empower the state, which has the right to imprison you and the means to, or the right to kill you because they have a uh, you know monopoly on on violence. The state does without any legal recourse, really, because they are the law. You don't want to You don't want to grant the state those rights. Um, but if someone wants to uh, informally uh create a campaign against someone uh because of uh they, they don't think someone who committed the crime of like a boycott shoplifting yeah like saying that man is a shoplifter uh and uh he's x y and z therefore no one should ever hire him um you know you can do that i think that um there is a point where that kind of behavior becomes itself illegal but isn't kind it of har I mean harassment but is that, you know, it, like uh, to defend social ostracizing people? I mean, you know, what if you have like a, a strike and then there's a scab, right? Right. Yeah. The scabbing so, is not a crime, but like perhaps the scab deserves to be ostracized by, by his community. Right. And, and, and that, that's right. I mean, they and civil society does have the right to organize those kinds we, of actions. Like, and I, when they do so. Look, the, the, the political battles are always contradictory. There are times where authoritarian uh, action. Is I mean, revolution necessary. is authoritarian. Revolution is the most authoritarian thing you can do, which is why you should do it as clear-headedly as you can, and not, uh, you know, uh, you don't pretend that anything. Don't pretend just any violent thing you do is revolutionary, and uh, and you know, organize thoroughly so you can 
the aim of revolution is to smash the apparatus that can maintain the the kind of authority that's necessary today. That's the aim of of, of a revolution. Because so. the reason I'm harping on this point is because you know where I guess I agree with you is like my concern about like the use of state power to silence people or to like marginalize people. Uh, but where perhaps I maybe disagree is the idea that like social pressure and campaigns like this emanating from civil society are, you know, necessarily like right wing or illegitimate. I didn't say they were illegitimate. I just said recognize that they are uh, right wing in character, um, an authoritarian in character, uh, that they uh, the, the overall effect of them is not to produce the kinds of solidarity and political movements for change that okay, we need. Okay, okay, but, but like, for example, like, uh, what's Stalin's favorite uh, Trotsky book? It's, uh, what is it, Terror and Re Revolution? Is it Revolution and Terror? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Revolution and Terror, which openly talks about suppressing the rights of the bourgeoisie as a counter-revolutionary force, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, my point is like, look, my, one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, revolutionaries, uh, not nearly as good as Trotsky or Stalin, I guess, but Careful. not as good as Trotsky, um, it was uh, Guy Debord. And he used to say, the aim should be to create disorder without loving it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are times when uh, disruption, uh, violence, authoritarian actions are necessary but to fall in love with the tactic yeah that's what it is a, as it's it has a uh revolutionary character in and of itself so, yeah i mean that's the i mean that's the critique you know uh the, the you know the trotskyist defense of revolution and terror is that you know the the revolutionary terror was always recognized openly as an extraordinary means of uh, winning a revolution, whereas uh, in the Stalin period, it became the like de facto ideology of the state, and it was not a revolutionary terror when it was, you know, like <laughs> right, right. it was like the normalization uh, of this. So, uh, you know, the, the question of ostracizing people, suppressing their rights, suppressing their speech, free speech rights. I mean, the point I would make probably is that you know, a civil, a liberal civil libertarian would see these as like an absolute good, whereas a Marxist would, uh, you know, looks at these contextually, perhaps, according mm -hmm. to the specific situation. And so let's say, you know, let's let let's do a hypothetical, like Russell Brand is an enemy of the revolution. And, uh, you know, you and he gets accused of all this stuff, it might be a convenient way to suppress his uh, counter revolutionary speech. Well, I mean, what's the context here that he's, you know, uh, let's say we're in the middle of a revolution and Russell Brand is like, you know, he's like doing the counter revolutionary YouTube channel. And we, uh, if we, we wanna... have the, if we have the capacity to round up Russell Brand for, for crimes, mm -hmm. then we've already taken the state. That's true. That's true. But so, yeah. I mean, so in that case, no, I wouldn't be for uh, overturning supporting a new state that was going to a reject you know 
the kinds of rights that we're supposed to be attempting to actually realize. I mean, that's the other thing is that bourgeois rights like free speech, uh, participation, uh, voting rights, um, the right to organize. These are not just like uh, these are to realize them, to be able to live in a society that could actually instantiate them as a regular part of our life is what socialism would be. It's not like socialism would be uh, everyone uh, lives under the perfect administrated state, thinks with the with the leader, uh, follows all the rules, you know, uh, all of that. It, we would be free individuals working together under conditions of basically wealth and freedom. Uh, that's what socialism it would be. But there would still be like, you know, you know, let's talk about like, let's say crime, right? So the mm -hmm. material, let's say the material uh, conditions that lead to like vast crime waves will disappear, but there'll still be people who do criminal acts, right? Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, I suppose so, but it would hardly be like, uh, I, I would hardly want to put a concern about um, basically anti-social, like, uh, like basically there would be no practical basis for those kinds of, that kind of behavior under socialism is the idea. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no, so it would be truly aberrant, uh, self-destructive behavior. I mean, uh, like I'm thinking actually, I'm sure you've read the book, Ashley Le Guin's um, Dispossessed and the Anarchist Future in this. Yeah. I'm and not a huge fan of that in retrospect, although she's a great writer. Uh, she's like, she like just chose to have this, con the anarchist society run under, conditions of total austerity yeah but that yeah that's that's true but what i found interesting about it was the concept of justice that the idea that there's a prison but you better go fucking check yourself into that prison because you know if you like rape someone or murder someone and somebody murders you back you know that's on you so like it's for your protection if you commit a crime you better go and check yourself into the rehabilitation center otherwise it's you know i mean this is what i always find funny about the uh, abolish the police discourse is like the same people going on about abolish the police are like want to have like revolutionary mob justice yeah uh, so we, that is a regression below what we have now well as uh, opposed to having let's say you know bourgeois uh you know socialist legality and it's like yeah. well, well we'll just have a we'll, we'll we'll have a mob mob rule and what makes me uncomfortable about the russell brand case is that even though i'm like pretty much believe he's behaved like inappropriately and i'm kind of think that there's probably some acts that he did which are you know illegal and i would note that like with things like rape uh you know people react to it differently right you know w women will you know some women will like you know kind of be like pressured into uh sex not really give consent but you know afterwards not feel happy about it feel that they were kind of forced in uh, forced into it by certain circumstances uh, whereas there are obviously clear right you know when random guy like assaults and rapes a jogger as opposed to like behaviors which are like oh i took this super drunk girl home and i banged her and then like she didn't really want it but she didn't make a big deal out of it but that is also kind of rape i mean not kind of, that's rape right like mm -hmm. just because if someone is unconscious or it's so inebriated they can't walk or stand up yeah and you have sex with them that's rape for sure and i, and I know many 
women who have had that experience who didn't report it to the police and you know didn't make a big deal didn't feel that they were traumatized but were like found it like like not a nice experience yeah. and and it's a it's a crime right so like so my you know i don't like you know i don't want to get into like people defending russell brand i think sometimes the defending of russell brand turns into like um you know justificate justifying his behavior right which I think mm-hmm. it's like I don't know what his behavior really was. And that's the other thing I'd say is no one really knows what his behavior actually was. And the 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 sad thing is that we will never know. Because even if there's a trial and he's acquitted, we won't know that the jury was right. And yeah. if he's but it's and the best if he's we have. found guilty, it's the best we have. So I, I tend to think if someone's acquitted of a crime, that you should treat them as if they were innocent. That's my general rule of thumb. And if they served their time, they should be treated as if they were reformed. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I, I I completely agree with that. I mean, like yeah. for example, like you know, if uh, you know, if you if you wanted like a just system, let's say, you know, at least the punishments should be up front. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for example, you do the time. Like if you go to prison knowing that like oh as part of your punishment this will be forever in your record you know that but like what happens to a lot of people is like you know they do their time but then they find like there's background checks and perhaps there's you know there's needs for it like i don't know like maybe you i kind of think you might need a background check if you're going to be a teacher because perhaps you don't want a convicted pedophile being a teacher you know right even if they've done their time you know like do you really do, do you know maybe they should be excluded from certain professions perhaps right i don't know like mm-hmm. it's like i guess that's a, an abuse of state power but you know maybe that's a legitimate use of state power i mean i've said this to you before like uh there may well, be I, I i tend to think that you know i am not a through and through all the time perfectly uh consistent leftist mm-hmm. so I'm also I don't think you'll find uh, many people disagreeing with that. Yeah, right. Uh, and those people, whoever they are, I will be glad to confess that there are times where I'm nearly as conservative as they are. And uh, like, for instance, I don't disagree that someone who's been convicted of a sex crime should uh, have that hang around their head after and be limited in some ways by it. But I can't justify that in a principled way you know i just that's just what kind of my innate conservatism there and i don't so i don't disagree i intuit that maybe i can come up with a way to justify that but the aim generally the criminal justice system is not to uh to find those who are not worthy of being part of society but rather to help society function and that would include offering pathways of redemption or to reform to to criminals Um, yeah no i i agree i think like you know people if you have a a conviction you know for for a lot of crimes it's once you've done your time it it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be on your record you shouldn't have to report it to employers and stuff and i might say like i would make the exception for perhaps certain crimes uh, you know under the current system you know where i think it would you know like i said the good example is like i don't think convicted pedophiles like if you're a convicted pedophile and you apply for a job at the tyson meat packing factory or administrative job 
you know, in a law firm or what have you, you shouldn't have to report that you were convicted if you did your crime, but maybe it should be something if you're doing a specific, like, I don't know, like a medical doctor convicted of like sexually harassing his students, uh, his, his patients should perhaps be barred from being a medical doctor in the future. You, you know, do you remember in the in the early 2000s, you know, there was a lot of discussion about like, what should we do about these terrorists? I mean, the, you know, we can't just let them get away with it. We can't. We we really have to do something extraordinary to protect ourselves from these terrorists, um, because you know, after all, they're murdering innocents. Mm -hmm. And and I said, you know, look, we are at da in danger of losing our basic rights and our way of life and uh, uh, the the normal way that we think about the world if we decide to make a state of exception for these so-called terrorists who we don't always know who they are you know no, no i get that, it that led to racial profiling it led to putting people in guantanamo bay uh without charges at all and they're still there well it's what um, i talk, it's what i talk about with the devil's bargain right like uh you know under the capitalist system you know most of the time socialists should oppose the uh uh you know, expansion of state power and things like that. But there may be cases where it's like, uh, you know, maybe this is not a hill we want to die on. Maybe right, we're, okay. we're. But I mean, at this moment, though, what we what the moment we're in, mm -hmm. we've already accepted the overturning of basic rights for over 20 years. There yeah. are people who were absolutely should have been protected by those rights who were detained without charges, often uh, tortured. Yeah. Okay. That, I, and they're still there. And now the state is rolling in with new uh, uh, new ways to do more of the same. And it's not just aimed out at people from other countries. It's aimed in as well. And it's happening all across the West. So for us to sit around and discuss, well, aren't there some people who don't deserve these rights, really, um, is, I think, kind of miss the big picture it's like i mean yeah maybe there's some debate to be had there but the big picture is that we are losing uh our ability to have a political left um to if and and that's what we should be alarmed about rather than uh whether or not some hypothetical pedophile uh might get a job that he shouldn't have after surviving prison which is probably not going to happen anyway right i mean like uh and also you know i'm not actually up here calling for revision of the the laws that are aimed at uh no, it's, it's, right it's, so that's it, you're you're kind of saying wouldn't your principles push you to do that and it's like maybe but i'm not going to because my inner conservative is going to yeah i mean that, that, me move in that direction that, that's what i that's what i'm trust uh, that's what i'm trying to push at is that you know like there may be states of exception that we would be behind but they are states of exception right right They're, right and, well, and we should we recognize should... them as states of exception say like look at this point we might want to compromise our uh, principles you know uh you know principles on this but this is a kind of state of exception Right. This is not. Well, yeah. What, what I want to point to every everyone on the left to is the fact that we are now living in a state of exception. Yeah. I mean, it's not one living... that we've we can decide whether or not we're going to endorse it. 
or not, but I mean, it happened. It's, it's right? the statue. It's it's the. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Russian history as a, a as a as a good lefty. It's the statue of state security, right? The emergency legislation of the Tsarist regime, which was emergency legislation that remained in force till the end of the. Uh, <laughs> right. until, yeah. the uh, until the revolution. Yes, right. they, and that's happened in the United States over the last 20 years with the Patriot Act. It's the same state of emergency. Also, with granting the executive the right to invade any country he wants, which was uh, an emergency power granted to the executive uh, based on the 9-11 terrorist attacks. But now so it's really the question isn't about Russell Brand. No, it's not about Russell Brand. Right. Yeah, it's not about <laughs> Russell Brand. It's about... Uh, Russell Brand uh, is an example. I mean, like I would say like uh, the cop city is actually probably the best argument to lead with is like mm -hmm. we're seeing we're, we're seeing these, you know, like Russell Brand will be fine if he gets if he gets, you know, doesn't get convicted. He's going to be fine. Right. But probably. Like, yeah. But like, I don't but, really care if he's fine or not. Like we're not going to be fine. Yeah. We're and the, not left, gonna be the left's not going to be fine if we can't make the connection on kind of an abstract level between what's happening to Russell Brand and what's happening in cop, to the cop city protesters. We can't see how that's happening in the same context. And it's part of all the same thing. I mean, the, 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 the thing I would say is like, I think it's perfectly okay. Right. For people to say, I think Russell Brand is a shitty person. And if he did rape, he should go to court and all this kind of shit stuff. And I don't want to watch his show. Uh, like I never watched his show and I think I don't think leftists should watch his show and like support him or anything like that while at the same time saying like the state shouldn't be intervening to demonetize him because you know he we might think in a cosmic sense he deserves it like son of a bitch deserves it uh, but you know there are bigger political implications uh uh, for that, you know, that the, the, it's like bigger than just one individual. It's setting a precedent because once it's, it's very easy, right? Like this is a good example. You know, people for legitimate reasons hated the terrorists, right? But the creation of a special legal regime to deal with these terrorists outside of the constitutional order set the precedent for the use of that uh, legal apparatus against groups that were like, whoa, well, actually, maybe that's going a little bit too far, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, you know, like, it's something that you can't control. And, you know, to draw, draw back to my parallel that I talk about with foreign policy that we've discussed before, we mm -hmm. might say, there's cases where America could step in and save lives, right? Mm -hmm. But like, what's the, what's the big picture of that, right? Like, yeah, there's this one case where America intervening will save some lives, but then what's the bigger, you know, outcome of establishing that as a principle that like oh well america can intervene for humanitarian reasons to stop genocide well we all know that's that from that point on and anytime they want to just use power whether it's a genocide or not they're going to just justify it in that way and mm -hmm. you know that's the concern i have is you know like a lot of these like let's say celebrity you know professional uh, canceled people you know uh, like dining out on being canceled and sometimes they have they've been like faced legal issues sometimes their platforms have deplatformed them but then in the end they're fine right but then what happens is people who don't have platforms they end up being subject to this like the people at cop city uh they get they get like that same legal apparatus is used against them just like in india you know they ban the far right but then they ban the communists <laughs> <laughs> right well, I would just say that um, 
overall, I think that we are the left is being far too kind to itself when it comes to its to the way in which it thinks about uh, uh, policing speech and changing attitudes and being overly kind of being a busybody about um, individuals uh, that, that, I mean, that, that 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 like I, I just think that, you know, yeah, people have the rights to say and, and think whatever they want. Um, but I think that a cult that, that the so-called cancel culture, which now is state run, um, you know, is not a, a force for social emancipation. It is a, a basically a reactionary move. Uh, you know, as we said at the outset, there are times where uh, what I could characterize as reactionary moves are necessary, but it isn't ever going to be necessary for 20, 30 years at a go. And that's what we're dealing with is a long-term culture of kind of self-policing um, and uh, anti-social suspicion and paranoia and a, kind of a narcissistic self-obsession um, and politics of resentment and so forth. I mean, I just I don't think any of that is helpful. Um, I know I but that's you know, I'm not going to I wouldn't throw someone out of anything for saying I uh, I want to cancel this person or I, you know, was part of the, like I followed Sui Park when she said cancel Colbert. I wouldn't like say, oh, you're out or anything mm -hmm. like that. But I'm just like, I wouldn't embrace that as any kind of leftist action. Um, the... Yeah, I mean, like, like, I'll be honest, like I super don't care about Russell Brand, right? Like I super don't care about him at all i always mm -hmm. disliked him i would have preferred this be Stuart lee like no, Stuart Lee's funny i like i think he's funny uh i think he's uh more enjoyable i like his politics mm -hmm. a lot more than i like russell brand if it was Stuart lee then it would be perfect like i could just uh you know fully embrace go, uh, fully embrace it, it. fully embrace. Um, i kind of find russell brand to be a little embarrassing yeah. Uh, he's such. I mean, especially from as someone from the Pacific Northwest, he's so such a hippie. He's such a. Um, well, I just uh, like. I always found his. There was a kind of lads culture. I don't know if it was in America as well, but the lads culture of the two thousands, where it was all about cool blimey, look at her tits, how many fucking birds have I shagged, and stuff like that. And you know that's not illegal, but I, I, you know, it's like not the kind of treatment of women, uh, uh, objectifying women that I would like kind of endorse. And I used to find it really like ridiculous, right? Like that all these like super sensitive like um, people who were like socially progressive gave Russell Brand like, I'm like, dude is like kind, but you know, like I never liked Howard Stern. It wasn't just because I thought he was um, sexist. I just thought he was sort of gross oh yeah like overall he treated people in such a way that was dehumanizing for everybody mm -hmm. including himself yeah and, and i was i always found like i didn't like jerry springer for the yeah, same I, reason yeah exactly i found i find i found this kind of like the, this kind of like and it's a cultural pop it's not something i would like legislate by law but i find this yeah. like these kind of social attitudes of like you know you know if there is you know when people talk about toxic masculinity you know like i think this kind of like people thinking it's cool to be like treating women like sex objects. I think that's pretty grotesque. 
And like, like I said, what I, what irritated me was like just the double standard that people gave, you know, pe people lauded Russell Brand when all this kind of like uh, misogynistic stuff was, you know, lauding him as a figure for the left, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, while well, I, I don't feel like my uh, like aesthetic and cultural values should be, uh, are necessarily uh, progressive. Or, no, no, or, or, or in any way necessarily aligned with my socialist ambitions. Like I try to keep in mind that just because I don't like something doesn't mean no, that, it doesn't. Mean and anyone who is really a socialist would would not like it. Um, but I, 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 do, I do, I do find, I, I did find like the public object. You know, like I get like making some jokes and stuff, sexist jokes here and there and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I get that. But like this kind of like lauding of like the rock star lifestyle which is kind of degrading to women it, i just didn't like that discourse again it's not something that i would um you know like legislate again i just be like why would you want to follow a guy who talks like this you know why would you why would you elevate him as a spokesman uh for the left with, with a person who's talking like this it's like that's a problem and yeah, like I said, I just felt that I always felt it was kind of inconsistent. But now, then suddenly Russell Brand becomes like a right winger, quote unquote. Yeah, but he's 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 that's the other thing. He's not a right winger. No, I know. I said quote unquote a right winger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he just he he's just one of these kind of like people without like a strong ideological mooring who like likes to see himself as anti-establishment and like mm -hmm. you know he came to perceive as a right winger. And suddenly all this shit which we knew about for freaking ages suddenly becomes like a big issue right but the the people who like were, for instance what do you, you i'm not you know, i'm not tracking like his uh you know like russell brand's like kind of like long oh that shit i thought i thought you were talking about the kinds of anti-establishment stuff he was talking no about. no like that, 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 i do that, think it's worthwhile to note that the same organizations that are targeting speech about covid or about the war in ukraine uh or um about censorship itself um are uh targeting brand now for extrajudicial punishment i don't think it's unconnected i don't think this we can lift out ignore the fact that brand has been part of this network of uh, people who've been willing to say things like looks like dr fauci lied to congress about whether or not there was funding for gain-of-function research which he did and which is not we're not supposed to say if we're supposedly on the left but which is the fact or um that uh or it turns out that you know trump was never colluding with russia and those who pursued him knew that mm -hmm. from the beginning you know that's the kind of thing that people on the left aren't supposed to say and the reason they're not supposed to say those things is because somewhere along the line a good portion of the left has aligned itself with a good portion of the bureaucratic state and feels that they're the bureaucratic state is acting in the, in the left's general interest but when you realize oh no actually the there was gang of function research and it's likely escaped from a lab a chinese american lab it was not like some chinese plot um and we were not told that then you can say well you know i knew people who got sick and even died from covid and the state bureaucracy lied to me about where it came from and and who was responsible and wants to continue the policies that led to that leak to begin with. 
So, you know, then you can say, well, that's not particularly a leftist thing to embrace. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a deeply socialist thing to object to it either. Uh, but but just sort of basic common sense thing to object to, I think. Um, but I do think that's why he, those kinds of things are why Russell Brand in particular was targeted. That plus the fact that he was a weak, you know, it was a soft target. Um, uh, but, you know, they they managed to get the goods on him. But I do think, you know, Matt Taibbi was visited by the uh, IRS the day he gave testimony to Congress for and was audited or they began something like an audit of his taxes as retribution for his testimony. I mean, pretty clearly they started it the day um, that he uh, published exposing the FBI involvement with Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's when the audit started. Um, so, you know, uh, overall, I would just say we shouldn't depoliticize what's happening. Like there's the, 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 it is a, the disinformation campaign is a political campaign. It's aimed, it has political aims. And it's yeah, and, and we've discussed uh, interests. Go ahead. We, we and we've discussed this before. You know, I have sympathy for people, especially medical professionals, who wanted some kind of control on what they saw as disinformation at the time. Right? I understand that completely because you know, like you know, my family, as you know, Doug, they're all in the medical professions in various capacities, and they were at the front line of this. And you know, you know, and I, I, I can't fault people for one. You, you wanted them, the medical establishment, to be able to suppress uh, ideas I'm not saying they one. themselves knew I were want, more likely to be true, which is what happened with Fauci. Fauci and his team what, were debating the origins of the virus. No, and, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is. I'm, you know, I'm not talking about people doing high level research. I'm talking about people who were uh, medical professionals who were doing, you know, on the front lines of, of the thing and working off the information through the channels that they do, you know, and you know, that, you know, there was like misinformation or, or things that weren't certain. But then there was obvious like examples of uh, like clear misinformation about like, you know, uh, treating COVID and stuff like that. I understand why that uh you know why they might want the state to step in to suppress that and my point would be it's like well just realize like once you give the state the power to do that it's not going to stop with the things that like you know you like i don't want i don't you know like i don't want you know like nazis going around doing nazi propaganda and stuff like i don't want that right mm -hmm. but that's different from saying like well i want the state to come in and fix that problem for me right like, mm -hmm. I don't want that. I think that's wrong. I think that's bad. I think medical. Yeah, but we've shifted from science to Nazis here. I mean, we no, can debate I, the Nazi thing, but like, the pro the, I mean, the problem with the science, by the way, did you know that uh, a Nazi just got a huge round of applause in the Canadian parliament? Uh, I, I did. I heard about I heard about <laughs> yeah. this, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah the, the Galician SS. Well, you know, it's a uh, it's They're uh, Canadian, a Canadian hero. Yeah, the Canadian hero. Trudeau. No, actually not Trudeau. Well, people like to blame Alberta being right wing on Texas oil men who might move there in the 60s to develop the oil industry. But like people also forget that there were a bunch of Ukrainian Nazis that settled that place <laughs> as well. Yeah, uh, right. But I mean, you know, you have to cancel but, but all the Nazis. Go back to the science thing. The, the way it works in, in science is not that somebody gets to decide in advance no, what I get no. I'm what, what yeah. I'm saying. What what I'm saying is like the suppression of disinformation. Like I don't know. Let's say like medical quackery. Like you know, 
take these supplements and you'll be free from COVID. That's a kind of a different thing from like the actual medical debates, which seem to have been suppressed. Right. I mean, the thing about that is that is already illegal. That's that if it's really medical quackery, that's fraud. And you can sue that person for making claims that aren't true if you can demonstrate they're not true and they can get shut down. I mean, the the problem was is that there were claims that were being made that in the hindsight were largely true. Like now the vaccine doesn't really provide that much protection against transmission uh, or the, the the side effects from the vaccines are being underestimated. Um, I mean, to what degree? I think it's probably not to a great degree, but they were. Um, or uh, the origin of, of COVID was a, a, a lab leak. Um, you know, uh, all those kinds of things are were counted as disinformation. They were all mostly, you know, on their face true. The, the other thing is, like, now it quickly shifted from that into uh, uh, Seymour Hersh's reporting on the Nord Stream pipeline being blown up by the U.S. Uh, as being counted, counting as disinformation online and being fact-checked by, uh, and, and not only was it like fact-checked, but if you've tried to post it, you were told that your account would be permanently suppressed. Oh, dear. Um, and this is, you know, most likely what really happened. Uh, that the U.S. blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. So what's considered disinformation is whatever's inconvenient for the powerful, uh, admit, you know, the administration and, and the Washington consensus. Um, I mean, like my point would be, even if there is legitimate, quote unquote, disinformation, theoretically, that, you know, is harmful society and ought to be suppressed, giving that power to the state is going to lead to long-term consequences i mean but your one example was one where actually it should be in the state's hands because the state does have the ability to to gather evidence and give people who are accused of crimes due process and therefore in the case of medical fraud we wouldn't want to empower uh these corporations to decide what medical fraud was but rather if some, if some give guy, it to the state if yeah. some guy is like some random guy with no medical training is on you know like rumble or whatever to, giving all this kind of like completely baseless advice but it's like professes that i'm not a doctor and stuff like that you know i get you know i get i i i get it that you know the a lot of medical professions were professionals were under a lot of stress and there was a lot of this you know there was stuff that was disinformation, just straight up bullshit out there. And then there was stuff which was, you know, should have been debated within the scientific community openly. Right. Uh, but, you know, my meta point is that, yeah, like disinformation is, you know, like giving the state the power to decide what is disinformation and what is not disinformation. Right. Is is a dangerous precedent, because even in a case where they might suppress something which is legitimate disinformation, there'll be another case. Where well, see, this is where this is why we keep going around and around on this. There is no such thing as legitimate disinformation. OK, there are things that are wrong and there are things that are right. But medical malpractice is a crime like that's in, in, in giving people medical advice when you're not qualified to do so and making money off of that. Is a crime, so and it should be a crime. But and so this information is just being wrong. And in this in this last go around, you were as likely to be an official of the CDC as you were to be some Yahoo online 
uh, if you were getting it wrong. Well, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, though. Like, yeah. we can, you know, like. So we don't. There's no legitimate category in civil society called. Well, put it this way: there that whole been... that whole framework. It's like saying the war on terror sometimes. Okay, put legitimate. it another way: it's not. There Go are ahead. things that are right, and there are things that are wrong. Right. True. Yeah. And you could call that information versus disinformation. It's just a synonym for it, right? Right. But things that are wrong, you know, they should be combated in civil society, right? Yeah. Bad ideas have to be. This is why I'm against the deplatforming thing, because actually what I want, you know, what people should be doing is contesting, contesting these ideas. And it's not a free marketplace of ideas. That's bullshit. Right. But uh, insofar as we are trying to contest ideas, we should be contesting those i we should be working to contest those ideas through civil society as opposed to ha, you know uh working the refs to have the people who are wrong silenced so are we we're in like a second hour of this conversation are we in the in the for for patrons only oh no, this now? is the saturday show this is it's maybe friday today but this is for the saturday show and so it's all free for the whole for the oh. whole public so, so i can't speak freely uh freely <laughs> without being without being canceled but yeah my well, point would be I'm not really should... worried about being canceled i just uh well um i guess i was going to ask you about something that only insiders would care about was what why was oh just go for that. it go for okay. it. okay like well earlier in the conversation you're like no one on the left thinks you're part of the left anymore anyway and things like that and i and i you know i don't hear from those people like I don't know who you're because you've been canceled. Well, I haven't noticed you, exactly because yeah. you've been socially ostracized. So, but you don't. Well, I you I don't, don't miss who's, whoever is ostracizing me. I don't notice. So, so how effective is that? Um, I wasn't ever in enough to be ostracized. I guess. Um, the tragedy. The tragedy is, of Doug Lane. That is sad. That is a very sad thing to realize that there are people. Who think they're no? Do they think they're ostracizing me, or are they just they just are aware of me and talking shit? Which is it? I mean, do they think that I'm missing them? I think uh, they just, they, I think they're just concerned about you. They're concerned that you're having a, a midlife crisis. And... Well, that's for damn sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for about a decade now. Yeah, you, uh, you've been you've been you've been doing the midlife crisis uh, podcast thing for a long time. So you know, I'm I, clinging to midlife crisis. When that's over, I'll just be an old man. And you can so go on blogging heads. How about that? Yeah, no, they're going on. That they're going away. Blogging yeah. heads is going away. Oh, the, my old men are are retiring. It's very sad. But um, uh, yeah, I uh, my view is, I mean, the only person who I will name who I am uh, who thinks who I suspect thinks i'm not part of the left anymore although he said i was after our debate would be matt bender mm -hmm. um and uh at the time he was like no no he's a leftist he's just a just mistaken basically well i think um, that's i think that's a good attitude i mean the, you know yeah. my opinion is we should try and be as ecumenical as possible on the left mm -hmm. which for me means uh tolerating marxist leninists but uh, but we should be we should be we should, but I we have should trouble be. with that one. But yeah. you know I have trouble as an old middle aged crank, midlife crisis guy. I have trouble tolerating a lot of things. Um, no, but you know like I'm I'm not here to you know I I don't know 
you know, how do you adjudicate who's on the left and who's on the on the right? I'll take people at face value until well, it's going to become a big issue again. I mean, we're kind of in a lull right now, but I think it will become a big issue in 2024. And I think this I mean, I can't really make heads or tails out of the um, the the indictments of Trump and what the consequences are going to be politically, but they're not going to be good. I don't think. And I think that the pressure for like, for instance, on people who, who like Cornell West mm-hmm. will be, I think that's going to be a lot of, there's going to the be a lot of pressure on the Cornell West uh, people. And, uh, you know, I always find it strange that people assume that like green party voters are automatically would, uh, you know, but for Democrat part, democratic party voters, but you know, that's, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is what what do you think they probably stay home otherwise maybe. i think i think there are some but for democrat voters but i think you know there are, there are hippies there are green com- committed people and there are people who would like against the duopoly so would never vote for a mainstream party so it like kind of right right acquires mm-hmm. all those uh, those people so it's not like you know but yes there's going to be this narrative that you know if, if the republicans win the election you know, it, it's the, it's the left's fault for not rallying behind, um, you know, Joe Biden. Yeah, and, but I mean, I don't know if that like if I think the consequences, if the Republicans do win the next election is going to be. We should think about what the consequences will be in the context of what was revealed by the Durham report, mm-hmm. um, because uh, when Trump won the first time, it was used the same way like 9-11 was used to justify an attack on civil liberties for everyone, basically. Um, The Department of Homeland Security extended its reach and power as a response to the election of Donald Trump. So if Trump wins the presidency, say theoretically from prison, what do you think is going to happen to civil society as a result of that? Like what will the recourse be? I have hard to predict. I have no, I have no idea. And you know the the thing is like, um, you so my solution is that in, you know instead of all this rigmarole with like convicting trying to convict ex president, we should just have a law in this country where you serve as president, but as soon as you finish, you have to do jail time, like because it's, how about not how about just a public execution for every president when they leave office? That would also probably work because you'd have to really want to be president to do it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, it would pretty much ensure that the geriatric would continue you know like there would be no one under the age of 75 who would be running for. well i'm i'm expecting you know diane feinstein to she's dead you know run for president yeah i mean that hasn't stopped her in the past no like literally she died i know i know (laughs) okay the joke day right today she ran right i mean today she died which both things but no i was yeah that was pretty shocking. What do you think about that? I mean, I guess it wasn't shocking that she died. Really? A 90-year-old woman in poor health dies. That was, that the, wasn't shocking, but to realize that they kept her, you know, in office right up to the moment she died. Even I after have, I'll be her, honest, though, I like people want to blame that on the Democratic Party, but I'm probably going to go with actually it was her it was her staff that probably forced that. Because, you know, I bet her Democratic Party colleagues were like, oh, you should probably resign. And she's like, uh, I, th- I think I read something where, like, they said you should resign and she would say, OK, and then forget about it. But, you know, <laughs> but her handlers, you know, like her. her. But why did her handlers want to keep her in? Because keep her, just keep their jobs. Just to keep their jobs? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, who do you think's doing it? But her daughter work? had power of attorney. 
Yeah, I mean, who do you think's doing all the work? Like, do you think Diane Feinstein's reading all those documents? No, no, of course not. But it's I all mean, her staff. So they, they wanted to keep their hands on the on the part. Yeah, like, and I'm I'm sure like D Democratic senators like, oh, resign. It's like, look what they do into Bob Menendez, right? But like, you're telling me the Democratic Party doesn't have enough discipline to control some of these staffers? I think so. Yeah, I think with a powerful individual with like Diane Feinstein's uh, staffers connected like hell if pelosi had said you've got to go that would have been it maybe maybe i mean like they did it to bob menendez like bob menendez i mean like bob menendez is like it's like amazing i love that story that is yeah. the that's one of the best bob menendez doing bullion old, old <laughs> that's like the shit that they found that's like when they like arrested the governor of Mosul. They were like found all that was like the kind of stuff they found in his house. It's like, oh wow, this is like really retro corruption. And the best <laughs> part was yeah. his like defense was like, I have I'm suffering trauma from the Cuban Revolution. And so that's why I have all this money around because like, oh yeah, the Mau Mau is about to turn up in like in <laughs> New Jersey. Absolutely amazing. Guy was corrupt. It's like people, it was like, dude, he only got off with a technicality previously. Uh, but they forced his ass out. They're going to force his ass out. But if he resists, there's nothing they can do, right? Yeah, I guess not. There's, I mean, like, if he decides – because they'll probably want him to go so that they can didn't, appoint didn't – he, Didn't he resign? Did, didn't, he, did Menendez resign yet? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think he did. I think oh, he I, resigned, didn't he? Let's check. Uh, I thought he did. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but yeah, Bob Menendez's corruption is really fantastic. Um. And like, yeah, just taking straight up money. No, I'm wrong. It, as he's of still, yesterday, he's still, he's still saying I'm going to keep my job. Yeah, he's still. You know what? That's the thing to do too. If you're, you can't resign. No, no, no. You have to yeah. say I did nothing wrong and hold on to the end and hope it all blows over. Hope to the bitter um, end, which is, yeah. you know, it is, it is what it is. But you know, that's the incentive, right? So I think. Right. So I think the Democrats probably only have limited – they have some leverage. I want to say if anyone has any uh, gold bullion that they please, want to send to me, please. I will take it. Um, yes. And in exchange, I will say whatever you want on my YouTube channel uh, for $100,000 uh, worth of gold bullion. That, well, that you never my, know. It's my asking price. You never Maybe know 200 what... Maybe I should make it 200 Come on. You'd do it for a lot less. <laughs> I do other things for a lot, a lot less, but not, I, not to espouse something I didn't believe, you know. Although, yeah, so it's a, uh, it is a bizarre time we're living in, for sure, Doug. But um, mm. you know, before we pack up for the day, anything else, anything you want to plug, going forward, anything exciting happening at Sublation Media? Well, we have uh, the Death of the Millennial Left out as an audiobook right now. Um, mm. Who reads it? I do. Oh, you I do. read it. I, I was a narrator. Um, if you like my voice, then you should get the book. If you don't like my voice, you could get it anyway and then set the speed at like half speed or something, and I'll sound drunk the whole time. Or mm -hmm. you could speed it up so I'd sound like a chipmunk. Um, uh, but that's available. It's doing well as an audiobook. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, um, I'm going to put together a coupon code and if you order the uh the book with the coupon code which is i'm going to say tir coupon oh you get 25 percent off the uh this is the the death of the millennial left oh that's pretty awesome oh. um listener and, and and viewer um 
We are, uh, yeah, we're working on developing a whole new line of audiobooks, particularly that uh, we've got a, a pamphlet out um, from Ben Burgess, which uh, I haven't fully announced. It's been available in New Zealand for a little while, but it, it will be available on our website. Um, so we have pamphlets that we're publishing. We have uh, a, a new book out from Buoyant Somai um, called Beyond the Family, which is available now in paperback and will be available as an ebook and an audiobook soon enough. Um, we, we run a, you know, a, the Sublation Magazine show every Monday. People should watch that. Uh, my son is creating uh, cartoon versions of everyone. He's doing a good job. Thumbnails. Yeah. So those are those are some of the things. I'm going to be writing a short story for Everyday Analysis as part of their pamphlet series. Ooh, what's the short story about? The title is um, The uh, Bunny Murder. That's all I have right now. Um, but it, I'm sure it will be brilliant. It's going to be, be a detective story of some kind. Um, yeah. So lots of things happen at Sublation Media. You can mm -hmm. check it out on Sublation Media. Yeah, website. check it out before I am the next target of the disinformation warriors and silencing silencing Doug Lane. Yeah, they're gonna. It's gonna come out that I'm I played D and D when I was in high school and I'm actually a nerd. People will be shocked. I don't think people will be shocked about that. <laughs> right. what, maybe we should bring back the old D and D stream though, Doug. The old yeah, that would be fun. Would you do that on Sublation? I can do that on sublation. I can run you a game on sublation to see how you uh, see how you handle yourselves under pressure. I actually have a very good scenario, which I've run, I want to say three times now, which is mm -hmm. the mother. It's a mothership scenario, but it's self-contained. It's about it, it's about a group of workers going to a mine and how they handle what goes on in the mine. All right. Well, sounds sounds good. And, I'll, I'll, and I'll set around. When Deep State Cuba played it, it ended up with him murdering his wife in the game, like his yeah yeah. And uh, what well, wait was his wife playing the game or his wife was playing fictional? the game? His wife okay. was playing the game and okay. So it's not his fictional no, NPC no. wife, but his it, actual wife's character. Yeah. Were they married in the game though? No, they were not married in the game. Well, that so doesn't even count. Yeah, like, you know you have. And they all got themselves them. killed in the end because. Uh, Cuba made some very poor decisions, right? They were about to escape, he made some very poor decisions. Hmm. And, and I'm shocked. Cuba's a genius and a strategist. I he's a genius he and a strategist, him. but he, he made some poor decisions and he got what he calls a European ending to his role play game, which is where everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, um, not an American ending, but so, so we could uh, maybe remember when Noah and I played. I just what I remember about when we. Noah got shot off a spaceship when we played. <laughs> That's right. He ended Noah. up falling off the spaceship. Right? Yeah. He he did things that made some very poor decisions, seemingly intentionally, and got ejected into outer space. Um, so and, who, uh, who would we play with, though? Well, we could do it with Noah and Jason again. I would be down I think for we that. Should have a, I think we should have a lady in the mix. Okay. Do you know any ladies? No, they don't talk to me. After I've started defending Russell Brand, all the women—I'm uh, sure Ashley still talk to you. At, yeah, Ashley still talks to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she want to play D and D or not, but uh, or whatever this. Maybe she What's... should play Mothership. Maybe she should play D and D. Maybe maybe she can get out some stress by doing some war crimes in a role play game. I think that's what a lot of role playing is about. Uh, you know, like getting expressing out your inner imperialist. 
in your impaired last time i played in a role play game mm -hmm. uh, i think i was playing my friend he was he's quite an experienced dm but most of the other players weren't very experienced with role play games and they were just uh quite in awe of my uh desire to commit a lot of war crimes in the star wars universe <laughs> what what and um, were you playing up for the rebels or we're playing for the we were playing for the rebels and the mission was to assassinate uh, a scientist and my friend had a, like a whole plan for us to go through this building and 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 my plan was like we're going to go down to the um janitor's room and we're going to basically blow out the supports of the building and kill everybody in the building not mm -hmm. just the guy and basically and then we're going to frame it on the janitor and uh, post a suicide note on facebook so nobody even knows who did it oh so instead of going through and like fighting all the empire guys, we just blew up an apartment block and then threw the dead janitor's dead body uh, out of a flying car and posted a suicide note on Star Wars's version of Facebook. This is why you aren't making movies in Hollywood because that is a far too quick a story, you know, all the good actions. All the good action is, 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 is spent just put, putting some bombs underneath right i mean you 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 know the whole the whole scenario is the same as when indiana jones just shot the guy with the sword but it's like exactly, the whole movie exactly or yeah. it, my friend in another dnd game we played ages ago we had to go to this dungeon uh, mm -hmm. but there was a dam so instead of like clearing out the dungeon we just destroyed the dam and drowned everybody in the dungeon and then when the water receded we went and installed all the things you know i just I'm so old now. I just re recalled that I have already forgotten what I said that the code was, the coupon code. TIR. Well, what's the name? You TIR coupon. TIR coupon. Well, send me in and I'll put it in the description. Okay, great. Um, well, all right. Well, we'll, we'll we should talk offline about uh, or off the, you know, when we're not recording about D&D uh, &D and other things. Yeah, well, um, we can talk as soon as we're done. And right. I guess, as we say on TIR, we are